Hey guys, just wanted to take a, a second of your time to talk about a new bra head company that has appeared on the scene to deliver high quality bra heads at an affordable price. Exact Archery and the Exact Bra Heads deliver high quality, durable, and constant bra heads for a fraction of the price working directly with manufacturers they deliver. Order a three pack of four blade bra heads today for just $20 at www.exactarchery.com. Use the promo code BLADE22 to get free shipping. Thanks, guys. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Blue River Bowhunting Podcast. Uh, I'm Brett Morse, your host. Uh, before I get into my guests this week, I just want to thank everybody that came out to the uh, Indiana Deer, Turkey, and Waterfowl Expo couple weeks ago and visited the booth with uh with me and jake wilkins from exact archery and bought some broadheads if you bought some broadheads from us i thank you thank you for subscribing to everything and uh can't wait to get uh going this week uh with a awesome guest this is gonna be a great episode uh james simpson from uh from iowa the hunting common ground guy from youtube uh what's going on brother hey brad how you doing uh, not too bad. You know, it's a Monday night. I, I love uh, putting a podcast together on Monday night. You know, you get it out for the rest of the week. You ain't got to sweat it. Uh, and especially with what we got lined up to talk about tonight, it's going to be a good show, man. Oh, yeah. It's a nice way to jump right into the week, huh? Absolutely. You know, a lot of people don't know, but I actually do like a uh, a NASCAR show uh really? with with a with a buddy of mine that's been doing it for a long time i kind of filled some shoes on that sort of deal but that's usually a, a tuesday show uh and it it's kind of ran into some problems every once in a while trying to put the two shows together uh you know how it is when putting youtube and content together let alone put two podcasts together it can be it can be a handful sometimes oh yeah i'm sure if you're doing the nascar <laughs> thing then you're busy on sunday too right absolutely i, I got to pay attention right because i got to talk yeah. about it once a week yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh for somebody that doesn't know you or know your stuff uh introduce yourself a little bit okay um i'm james simpson I'm originally from upstate new york moved out to iowa uh what the end of july so haven't even been here a year yet half a year i i drew a non-resident tag the last fall so a year ago Hunted out here, was unsuccessful. I missed a really nice buck, uh, but I loved it so much that you know I had to had to figure out how to get out here. So I took a job out here and uh, moved out. Like I said, at the end of July, and been bow hunting for 20, 22 years. And I left my job as a state correction officer, so I went from law enforcement to now I'm creating content for an archery company. Yeah, that's I, awesome. How many how many years did it take you to to draw that initial Iowa tag? Um, I think I had four points, so it would have been on my fifth year, so five years. Yeah, this is going to be my second year putting in for my uh, Iowa preference points. Um, kind of putting it together with some buddies to come out there eventually. It looks as crazy as it seems. It looks like 2028 is going to be my first year to draw for Iowa. Really? Uh, yeah, and, and, and I'm looking forward to it. You know, it's it's the big leagues, right? I mean, it's um, for a bow hunter and for a whitetail hunter, it doesn't get much better than going to Iowa. I mean, even your public land's good uh, from what I've heard, from what I've seen. Um, I don't think it gets much better than that. No, it's a pretty good place to be, that's for sure. Yeah. So when you initially drew out there and you you went out there, did you did you hunt public land initially? I did, yeah. That's, that's all I've hunted out here. And still, as a resident, that's still what I'm hunting. Gotcha. And that, even even in New York, I mean, that's probably ninety five percent of what I've always hunted is public. Yep. Gotcha. So you do the the the, hum, the hunting common ground on on YouTube. Uh, how exactly did all that start for you? Well, I mean, I've always kind of ran around with a camera. I mean, from when I started hunting, I used to film me and my buddies snowboarding and skateboarding. You know whatever. I, I've always just kind of enjoyed running around with a camera. And, you know, once you throw music to anything, it makes it that much more legendary than what it was in real life, you know? <laughs> oh, absolutely. So, I don't know. I, I enjoyed that and um, just started bringing it with me in the woods and filmed a few hunts with my buddies. And I think the first hunt that I ever filmed with my best friend, we had no idea what we were doing, did not expect to shoot a deer. Somehow we did. And I'll have that just stamped the, the smile on his face 
after he shot this doe and it ran away, his mouth full of braces, you know. <laughs> right. We were the happiest little 15-year-old kids out in the woods, you know. And I don't know, that's always stuck with me. Mm-hmm. And I, I enjoy bringing those memories back that I make in the woods and bring them back and show my family, my friends. And, and now that we can throw everything on YouTube, you know, you're showing the whole world, you know. It's, so that's that. That's one of the funnest things when it comes to YouTube. Um, before Adam really got involved with Blue River bow hunting, before he came really a staple member of this, um, I filmed him and his kids on Youth Weekend. Uh, and his um, his oldest son, uh, Dylan, shot a buck, or not a buck, a, a doe uh, during Youth Weekend. Uh, and I put it all together, put it on YouTube, that sort of thing. And he came to me almost emotional, like, I can't believe how much this impacted my life. I couldn't believe that later on in life I got to look back on this because he was sitting up, I don't know, 60 yards from us in his own in his own stand just watching. He just wanted to watch how it played out. Really? Shot a doe uh, on that weekend. We put it together, him tracking the deer, us dragging it out, that sort of thing. But And then the next year, I, uh, I didn't actually get it on video because it was with his other boy, but – his youngest son shot one on film that same weekend. Uh, we put it all together, sort of deal, and it was just like he said, I can't thank you enough because I get to go back and watch this for the rest of my life. That's you know, true. and then, I, and then I, he shoots a, I say a stud. A lot, of one, a lot of people don't agree that a 130-inch deer with a bow is a stud. I think it's a stud personally. Uh, you know, on video, the whole thing put together – uh, this year for his first time getting it done on film. And, he, and I mean, you would have thought we shot a 200 inch deer uh, yeah. that night. We were partying like it was uh Prince 1999. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it's all about. Absolutely. Awesome. I watched uh, some of your stuff and um, the one video I watched was uh, you getting it done uh, in Ohio uh, on okay. some pub, on some public land. Talk, uh, talk about that a little bit. Talk about uh, traveling to hunt uh, and putting it all on video and that sort of thing. Okay. So, um, I think 2014 or 15 would have been my first year traveling out of state and I was living in New York then. So we traveled to Ohio. We actually started on a lease and we had four days that we paid for on this lease. Mm -hmm. And we saw, we saw some nice bucks, no success. And we did that one year. And then the, the next year after that did the same thing, went to the same lease and we're like, you know what? We want to extend our trip over the four days. So we decided we were going to hunt public land after that. So we hunted our four days on the lease, had some close encounters, still no luck. Mm-hmm. Day one on public land, we paddled in through some kind of around a peninsula. I wouldn't call it really an island. It was a big peninsula. Paddled around the back side of that. First day I shot 21 and a half inch wide, eight point, 135 inch eight point. So we've been leasing for these two years. This was in Ohio. We'd been leasing for these two years and we had this public, we could have been hunting the whole time, you know? So that was kind of the start of the whole journey with, with public land hunting. Um, every year after that, we traveled to Ohio, hunted that same piece of public. And we, I had probably three or four buddies that would travel with me and we took some nice bucks off this piece. And you know, it's, we all try to self film while we're out there, but it's so hard, especially when, when you're in a state with that has a decent buck to doe ratio, you know, during the rut, those bucks just aren't slowing down enough to try to self film, you know? Absolutely. So, and everybody gets frustrated dragging the camera out, especially if you've done it three, four or five times. So we've put a lot of bucks down that were the camera stopped going out in the woods a day prior or two days prior, you know? So, yeah. But um, and then I've gone to Colorado a couple times, done some elk hunting out there, and brought the camera along. We've got one good video on that. I don't know if you watched that one or not. But. I haven't watched that one, but talk about. I know you're kind of like the uh, DIY or DIY type of hunter when it comes to going out west and going to Ohio and that sort of thing. Talk about your process going into that, what you have to set up. I mean, I'm, I'm sure you're looking at your preference points and, and lottery numbers and all that kind of stuff. And then checking these properties out prior to going out there. How did you set all that up? Yeah, for sure. Um, so we first, as far as preference points going, um, I've, I've only, I've never used a preference point. So I've okay. been buying them. Well, obviously I use my points in, in Iowa mm-hmm. but as far as out West Colorado or, elk or anything like that i've never used any points 
I've accumulated some in a few states, but I've always just hunted over the counter, um, no points used. So, yeah. so yeah, I, I look into that a little bit. Like I said, I'm banking my points there. Um, other than that, I'm just I burn my eyes out on maps all the time. <laughs> I've got <laughs> it's probably unbelievable, but I've got thousands of points mm. all over the country between out west for elk and all the different states that. I might not ever even step foot in the state, but I've got points in case I'm ever there. In that case, I draw a tag there, decide to go there to hunt, you know. So, so that's where I start. I just look at maps, and I really like going pretty deep on public. So I try to find some bigger chunks of public where I can try to get away from some guys. Did you do mostly like an on X type of satellite mapping in Colorado prior to going out there, or? Yeah, and I, I. I jumped on some pages and looked at the stats as far as like bull to cow ratio and hunter density and things like that. And I mean, one of the things that I try not to focus on too much, I mean, everybody's reading the internet, everybody's doing this before they go out there. Right. So if you find a spot that somebody says is a golden spot, there's going to be a lot of guys there, you know, and there's not one unit in Colorado or probably across the country that, someone hasn't made the comment that there's guys everywhere, you know, everyone's going <laughs> right. to make that comment. So you got to look at it both ways, analyze what you're seeing on the internet. People are going to say it's, it's junk. And you know, the smart guys, if it is really good, aren't getting on the internet and telling you that it's really good. With so how, anyway, you know, so how hard was it to transition from going to New York, uh, to Colorado from going to, I know there's a lot of hills and stuff in, uh, in New York, probably where you were hunting, uh, but going to hunting, uh, straight mountains. Yeah. I w- that was a big change. I mean, I, I met 200 feet of elevation where I lived there and we were hunting 10,400, 10,500, getting up into 11,000, but mainly staying 10 and a half and you're out of breath the whole time you're there. I mean, you might not be struggling and dying but you're breathing heavy the entire time you're there and then we get a bull down you got to pack that out that's where the real work begins you know oh i guarantee (laughs) you're not training all season to get into the mountains to get that bull it's afterwards for sure what do you think what do you think you did most in preparation uh and into heading out west um as far as exercise Mm-hmm. everything oh. just anything okay um yeah i mean i've got i've been in the gym a little bit here and here and there since i got out of the military but i really needed to focus on my legs you know i was i was doing the, the bro splits going in working on my arms and my chest and my back and neglecting my legs so i i really hit my legs started squatting and threw a heavy pack on my back i mean I, i'm a small guy so it was harder for me than all the rest of my buddies that were out there so I'm throwing 75 pounds on my back. That's half my body weight pretty much, you know? So, yeah. but that, I had to feel, kind of it had to feel good getting out there and, and, and being successful out there. I mean, to go from one into the spectrum to the other and being successful at it, successful at it, it had probably feel pretty good. Yeah. It was awesome. It was unbelievable. I, I would have been happy with a tiny legal bull and what I shot was not huge, but it was way bigger than what I expected. Mm-hmm. I would even not killing one the first year, just bugling, having bulls close to me. I was happy with that, you know. Oh, I guarantee yeah. it. That's a blast. If you haven't done it, or anybody, if they haven't done it, you have to do it. I got you. Take one year and just go. Oh, I want to get out there. And I know this sounds absolutely crazy. And I've had people tell me that I'm crazy. I think I would rather chase um, muleys somewhere um, than chase elk. Trust okay. me. I'm a big turkey hunter. We've talked about that a little bit prior to hitting the record button. Uh, yep. Talking back and forth with them would be very fun, but I don't know why. But that that muley buck, just I, I have that picture in my mind of one of the muleys on the side of a mountain somewhere. Uh, that tricks my trigger a little bit more than the elk does, and I don't know why. I can't okay. tell you yeah. even what what even <laughs> what even that is. But I, I think chasing those muleys out there in Arizona, Colorado, somewhere out there would be really fun for me. That would be fun. I've never done that. I filmed it. I've never hunted them myself. <laughs> All right. Uh, so let's go back to uh, some uh, some whitetail talk. Talk about what you hunt um, in Iowa. I know you're a big public land guy. Tell me terrain features, uh, what public is uh, accessible to you, and that sort of thing. 
Okay, I've, I've got some public that's close to my house within 20 minutes or a half hour. But you would think I would hunt that. I don't really. I drive an hour south of where I am, and I, I hunt a big piece or a couple big pieces anyway. And it it is hill country, and that's that's my cup of tea. That's what I like. You know, right. I I love hunting terrain, and there's a few marshes near me, and I would like to educate myself a little bit more. I actually just went to Dan Infault's seminars. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, you know, try to learn a little bit more about that. I'm going to dabble in there this fall, I think, but. Not to yeah, cut but, you off on on by any means, but talk about that. Uh, Dan Infault's seminars, talk about what he went through, uh, what he covered, that sort of thing. I didn't even know that was a deal. I would love to go to something like that. Yeah, it was great. There was probably a dozen guys that were there, mm-hmm. and we we did a little meet and greet at this uh, this building that he had set up, ate some food, and he talked about what, what we were going to look at throughout the day, and then we walked we walked right out through the cattails, through the marsh, right into his spots, you know, yeah. uh, you do, you sign a waiver before just, he wants to make sure that he's not going to draw a crowd onto his spots. You know, if, right. if it's an area you're interested in hunting, he just kindly suggests that you don't go to the seminar, but yeah, we got right to trees that he's killed his biggest bucks in looked right at their bedding locations, right where they were bedding. And then he did talk about, um, like how the deer moved through the marsh, looked at old beds. There was a little bit of snow on the ground, so we couldn't see mm-hmm. like the fresh beds from, from that year. But you can see like where the grass is all matted and the grass is kind of like tucked away where they're tucking themselves right underneath there. And for the most part, uh, they're betting on points and he tries to find the first producing oak tree or whatever he can get to, get as close as he can to that. Obviously, he's playing the wind set up that way. Yeah, it was really cool. I learned a lot. Oh, I guarantee you, I, I, I've learned a lot off of him. Um, I think it was uh, Hunting Public or somebody that he did a, a podcast with several times. I've, I've heard him a bunch of times, but uh, it was him talking about how he went basically on public, uh, attacking those ridges that he thought bucks were betting on, uh, attacking those um, those ridges, and, and finger systems you know on, on public like hey i'm not it's this public i know somebody else is gonna push the issue more than i am i'm diving right into this i'm getting within 100 yards of where i think they're betting uh that type of thing and then hearing him talk about saddle hunting before it became the big explosion that everybody talks about now um but that dude is a an unbelievable bank of whitetail knowledge um probably clear across the country from east to west yeah that yeah, was awesome to chat with him for a while honestly the, the biggest thing i got from him which is it's kind of cool and it's not a specific tip was i want to say this marsh that we were at was probably i don't know we'll say it's six seven hundred acres i don't know exactly what it was mm-hmm. but they can shine there so he would drive around every night during the season for a month or whatever and he's shining all these ag fields all the way around this public and there'd be a big buck that he was looking for. And for a month, month and a half during the rut, whatever, he's shining all these fields, never saw that buck. He thought it was dead. It just wasn't coming out. It was in that marsh. And he, I don't know if he had it on camera or if he saw it later on in the season, you know, but that just, that goes to show you that they're there. So like in your mind, if you're not seeing them somewhere, if you're not seeing them shining or driving around on the road, whatever, you know, you don't have to have the best piece of public or private land. Those big bucks, they're there somewhere, you know, so keep after them. Right. And that was what, kind of the biggest takeaway or one of my little hidden gems that I took from it, you know. <laughs> what do you think sets aside, you know, like um, Iowa public land compared to a, a New York public land that you may be hitting before, before moving out there? What was, uh, what, what's the difference in between that? Um, as far as like why, why the quality is the way it is or, yeah, or just um, anything that you may have noticed uh, maybe even before you moved out there. Okay. Uh, I mean, obviously the bucks are bigger. They're older here right. in Iowa. Uh, but in, I don't want to say that doesn't matter to me, mm-hmm. but what excites me more than anything is hunting these. They're just as smart uh, in Iowa. You know, a five-year-old buck is a smart buck. You know, it's not going to, it's not going to do the same thing as, those two and a half year old bucks do in New York, those New York bucks might be more educated on public or right. anywhere because of the pressure, but 
just hunting these old deer here and seeing how smart they are. And I've got more, more at bats, you know, there's, I can have five at bats at a four and a half, five and a half year old buck, screw one up. I go to another Ridge or another public system and I can try it again. So I think you've got more opportunities to learn here in Iowa than what I did have in New York. You might have that buck of a lifetime. That's five and a half year old where I was at in New York with our two month long rifle season. <laughs> right. That is why New York, where I was, I was in Northern New York. So I had the Northern zone. Mm-hmm. That's why it would never stand a chance to Iowa because of the seasons, the way it's set up that way, I think. Right. Yeah. I'm struggling with the same thing in Indiana and, uh, we've gotten, uh, our deer survey we filled out this past year and we, we talk about, uh, how long our gun season is. Um, you know, and our gun season is basically just shy of a month long, basically. Uh, and I would love to see that trimmed down to about seven days. I know in, in a lot of states, Illinois is next to us, Ohio on the other side of us. Um, you know, everybody does it different on all these different states. Uh, but if you could uh, put together your own uh, rifle or gun season for the for Iowa that you live in, what exactly would it look like? Oh, I like Ohio's setup. I really do not like guns during during the rut. Right. That's what, uh, that's kind of what I'm getting at too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, but I mean, it's, it's a preference. I'm a bow hunter. If I was a gun hunter, obviously I would not be saying that. Uh, but I think if it, yeah, if it was my choice, bow season up and up through till December and then, and I like the way I ha- Iowa has a setup. They have a first, a first, second and third shotgun season. You can hunt mm-hmm. with a straight wall car- cartridge. Um, but you pick your season. So it's not, everyone's not all out there at the same time. So you pick first season, second season. So you might, if you do first season, you might have a week to go hunt. And then second season, you might have two weeks to go hunt. So the guys getting out there first, they just don't have as long. So I, I really like the way they break that up. Um, so yeah, I would, I would probably mix maybe like the week that Ohio does it do the week there and then maybe split it up into two separate weeks where guys can choose from that. So it's not a big bum rush of everybody out there. Yeah. That's, that's what I'm getting at too with Indiana. Our, our, our gun season hits right in the middle of the rut. I mean, right smack dab in the middle of the rut and it's, uh, you know, three weeks, two weekends or whatever it is. It's too long for me. What I suggested was a seven day, gun season and that's seven days straight we're not breaking it up mm-hmm. first week of december and i'm talking a monday to monday or monday to sunday type of situation yep. um because because our our deer herd is already hurting the way it is a lot of people in indiana don't want to accept the fact that it is hurting uh and then you know um they have dr- they've dropped the a lot of the bag limits on does uh but when you still have a gun season like that, we're killing so many deer. It's the same thing, uh, as having those higher doe populations. Uh, and and if you're, if you're hurting that much, you need to tone it down. Your bow hunters are going to do great. uh, And they're going to, they're going to, um, I think bow hunters are very smart when it comes to, um, to attacking their private and even public. You know, I have a, um, a couple spots where I don't even, a couple pu- or private spots that I hunt, I don't even shoot does. It's like, that's, this is out of the question because right. the, the population is so bad that's like, I can't shoot, I can't bring myself to shoot the doe because I need them to repopulate. I need these big bucks to, to do their thing, get it going again. And, maybe down you know five years down the road maybe we can shoot more does but right now man uh prior to prior to the last couple years i mean guys were just filling their trucks up Jeez, (laughs) i mean we had uh counties that you could shoot eight does legally in a a season you could shoot eight does legally and the way indiana goes it's all based off counties so that one county has eight we have 92 counties in the state of indiana you could shoot all the bag limits correctly for for those counties and shoot i mean you could kill over 200 deer if you wanted to that's crazy we're like why do we need to kill that many deer right <laughs> that is nuts <laughs> right um, okay. so when you, when you have oh sorry no go ahead buddy go ahead 
what do you have for food sources around you? I mean, is there ag? It's, it's all ag, buddy. Oh, Especially okay. where I'm at here, it's all flat ag with um, satellite woods kind of thing all over the place, like a 40, a 50, an 80. You maybe get lucky with a 100 type of deal. But it's mostly patch woods with flat ag. Uh, and that's how we get them big around here. They are corn-fed deer. That's why they yeah. get so big. Um but it's just our population's hurting. I don't know if it's, we had, um, where I live at EHD is hit. I mean, just super hard. It's, it's crazy. We found over 20 something deer on the river in the last couple of years. I mean, I'm talking one sixties, one thirties, one forties all summer long in a kayak. And it just make you sick. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> we got hit in New York. It was the last year, but I never thought, Never imagined it would make it up that far, that far north. But yeah, we got hit pretty hard last year out there. So when you when you attack these um, when the, these public properties, how exactly are you doing it as as far as your equipment? You going in with a climber, uh, a, a lock on with sticks, a saddle? How are you approaching things? I've got I run both the sticks and saddle or sticks mm-hmm. and a hang on, and it, it mm-hmm. kind of depends. If I've gone in and pre scouted the area. Like I said, I'll, I'll mark up my onyx like crazy. If I find a spot, find a tree, a lot of times I'll mark that with a tree stand marker. Normally I'll leave it yellow, meaning it's, I know what tree I'm going to be in, but it's not prepared. Like, I don't know exactly what I need. So a lot of times I'll mark it with that and say three sticks and a hang on. So then I know I can go in there with three sticks. That's all I need. I don't need four sticks or whatever. Uh, but if I'm going in blind, completely blind, I don't know what tree I'm going to or whatever. Most of the time, I'll have sticks in a saddle. How have you um, adapted to the to the saddle setup? Um, is it something that you've kind of just rolled with? You made adjustments on the fly. Um, as far as what what kind of tree that I'm in? Yeah, just anything. I mean, like when I first started, it was kind of like. Yeah, I could probably get in this and do that kind of thing. And then, like, as I went on, I got faster with putting my sticks up. I made adjustments to my saddle. I made adjustments to my platform, my camera mm-hmm. setup. Like, it, you just kind of adjust as you go when I feel when it comes to a saddle, I feel like. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I've, I've actually saddle hunted for a long time back when Trophy Line had their neoprene saddles. I like think 2011 or 2012 was when I bought my first one. And... I started out with a ring of steps. I had, I don't even know what company it was. It was the black plastic ring of steps. I think Bullman or Bull Outdoors or someone makes one similar now. Mm-hmm. But I had rigged one strap with uh, the plastic ring of steps around the top. Ran with that for years and then they came out with the Predator platform. Mm-hmm. So I bought that, tried that, thought it was the most comfortable thing. I used that for a while. And I had a buddy that bought a, a saddle and I let him borrow my platform. I used my ring of steps out in the woods. We were in Ohio. I'm like, I don't know why I ever switched from these. I love them. So, <laughs> right. so I, I stick with my ring of steps now and I've got an out on a limb, really small camera arm, the reach. I use that when I'm saddle hunting and uh, yeah. And kind of like you're saying, I'll try to judge the tree and see which way the angle is and you know, sometimes you're uncomfortable for a couple hours, but (laughs) it's what it is. That's mobile hunting, I guess. You know, I think the, the saddle changed my game so much because for years, um, I'm not much of a public land guy. Uh, I have been the last couple of years, uh, basically just on a couple of trips that I take every year. Um, but mostly I'm hunting set up, uh, lock-ons preset hang-ons that have two stands so we can film out of them and then when i went when i did this and started saddle hunting and stuff it just changed it just gave me a whole new outlook on whitetail hunting it was like wow i can do this and i can move wherever i need to and for the most part it doesn't have to be a huge tree or whatever i mean it just changed my game completely on everything and um I didn't shoot my buck out of my saddle this year. I ended up shooting it out of a, a preset hang-on that I've had there for several years. But I think it's changed me as a hunter uh, going forward of, of, as being in the saddle. For sure. I Honestly, I think being mobile is one of the best advantages you can have. Public land, private land, whatever. I mean, if you get How many times have you gotten to a tree and 
the weather channel says the wind's blowing one way you get there it's blowing the opposite <laughs> right. with a mobile setup you just go set up where you need to you know absolutely uh what are you doing as far as uh scouting these properties how how are you going about doing all that well since i am hunting about an hour away when i do go it's kind of an all-day process for me but i've been getting out just about every weekend and since i'm, I'm still pretty new here so i've been checking out some new spots too um, and I'll, I'll jump on my Onyx the night before, a couple days before, and kind of plan out. I'll track a, a plan, plan out some ridge lines that I want to hit. And I plan for hunting leeward sides of ridges, saddles, uh, things like that. Any, any um, diverse cover, transition lines. I look for that and, yeah, try to run out and maybe pick up a horn here or there. Or <laughs> yeah. an antler, I guess, but. Are you, are you running any trail cameras on those places while you're not there? Yeah, I am. I've, I think I ran 12 or 15 cameras throughout the season this year. Yeah. And, and I, I don't check them like crazy. I don't check them every week. If I happen to hunt there, I'll check one after my hunt or whatever, but I, I had multiple cameras that soaked through the whole season. What, how exactly are you setting these, uh, cameras? What are, where are you putting them? Is it like a, you're in near bedding, a food source transition area? What, how exactly are you putting these cameras up? Um, I, I do like scrapes. I'll set them on scrapes, uh, close to bedding. I, I don't really set them exactly where I'm going to set a stand. So if I have like, if I'm just setting up on a pinched up travel corridor or whatever, I probably won't put a camera there. Destination areas like, uh, like scrapes, probably my main areas that I, I set them. Yep. That's awesome. What about stand locations? When you do go in there uh, and get set up on some of these bucks, um, kind of the same question. Exactly how are you setting these stands? Travel corridors or just kind of going off sign? How are you, how are you setting up? Yeah, going off sign. And uh, I, I do like saddles. Like I said, leeward sides of ridges. So once I get in there, just look at the sign from there. And if I see a bunch of runways coming together, I don't want to say I set up right on that because I do think mature bucks specifically will take different routes than all the other deer, you know, mm -hmm. uh, they do like to be downwind of that. And a lot of times it'll take me a couple setups to figure out how the deer are moving and where I've got to be. So that's yeah. awesome. Um, I know you're a big, uh, filmer. Obviously we've talked a little bit about it before. Talk about your gear setup as far as your, uh, your camera stuff goes, your camera, your fluid head, your, uh, camera arm, that sort of thing. I've got, oh, I've got so much equipment. <laughs> right. I do. So, I mean, that's what I do for a living now. So I've got a lot of gear. Uh, if, if I'm going out for my first time, like, kind of like if I'm saddle hunting, I don't know where I'm going to be. I don't know how far I'm going to be walking. I'll mm -hmm. bring the lightest weight pack that I can. So I'll have saddle sticks that out on a limb reach. And I think small rig makes the fluid head that I use. It's, it's tiny. It's about that big. That's awesome. And um, I was running a Sony RX 100 for, it's a tiny little Sony camera. It's got a little manual focus ring in the front of it got great autofocus that is awesome for a tiny lightweight camera so mm -hmm. i was running that for a first time in and then other than that i've got an a7 IV. i'll either run an 18 to 105 lens or a 70 to 200 if i'm going to run a pov camera in the tree with me do you, yeah, do, most you part, I set up. do you run like a vera zoom remote and that kind of thing too if i run my 18 to 105 that is a powered lens so i'll run oh, okay yeah i think it's a zv1 is what they call it but Mm -hmm. It's a little plastic. Feels like it's a cheap little Amazon toy, but <laughs> right. it'll zoom and hit record. That's about all it'll do for that. I think Canon. I had a Canon before, and that one I had a bear zoom remote for, but it won't work in my Sony's. So, for somebody that maybe just new into filming or just trying to get into it, what's some advice you can give somebody on uh, trying to film their hunts? Keep it as simple as possible. Don't overdo it. I think if you overdo it, I mean, if you look on all these Facebook pages and everything, there's guys selling cameras just as fast as they're buying them. <laughs> right. I think guys get in their head that they're going to bring all this gear out there with them. And if you hunt 
four or five times you don't get a kill or you a lot of times you don't even see a deer you get frustrated with it and stop bringing it so keep things as light as you can keep it as simple as you can have fun with it if you're not having fun with it stop doing it for a couple of days you know what i mean absolutely leave for it sure. the house for a few days and then bring it again it, it seems like i love filming uh for my guys uh but when it comes to self-filming for myself it's like, yeah, I'm leaving the camera in the car like or the truck or whatever. I'm going out there. I'm just going to go hunting because normally I'm 90% of the time I'm behind the camera. So that 10% I get in front of the bow, it's like game on. I don't care if I got a camera looking at me or not. I'm about to smoke something. Oh, yeah. sure. <laughs> uh, talk well, about um, – sorry, what would you say? Yeah. So that's the way you got to be. We do this for fun, you know. You don't – For sure. If you're not having fun, then – Stay home, relax, leave the camera at home, whatever you got to do. The next time you go out, have a blast. Oh, for sure. You know, and we look at it like work sometimes trying to put uh, videos together and that sort of thing. Uh, but sometimes I have to remind everybody, hey, we do this for fun. We ain't getting paid to do this. Wow. Like, let's, let's, let's have fun with this. If you don't enjoy me sitting behind you with the camera, uh, I'll go hunt by myself and uh, – I'll, I'll kill something or uh, get on a big buck or whatever. I, I don't have to do this. You know what I mean? Like let's, let's, I don't want to make this a job for you. I want, I want everything to do everything that we do. I want it to do for fun. Exactly. You know, uh, but talk about managing uh, those social medias and that, that content creator uh, sort of role. Um, talk about everything that goes into it. Well, there's a lot. <laughs> right. and every time you turn your head there's another platform that pops up that you got to jump on you know for sure um i've got one other buddy derek derek stoner he's he runs that tiktok probably more so than i do mm-hmm. he's he's like the i don't know what you call him he's the know-it-all with that that's for sure he knows a lot more about tiktok than i do so he's on there quite a bit once in a while i'll make some edits and throw throw them on there mm-hmm. um but for the most part Instagram and YouTube. I'll add a lot of edit all the videos on YouTube, throw them on there. And then Instagram, honestly, I don't keep up with it as much as I should. That's for sure. I mean, that's, um, that's all part of it anyways. Like, um, you know, it seemed like a couple of years ago, Instagram was the big thing. Everybody was on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of uh, people are still on Instagram, but if you look at it anymore, I feel like everybody's on TikTok. They're scrolling through it. I mean, just nonstop daily. Yeah. Um, and if they find your, your stuff on there, I feel like um, that could be the place to be to pick up a lot of subscribers or uh, bring attention to your brand. For sure. I'm pretty new to TikTok and I've got a love hate relationship for it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to like it more, you know. I think I've just got to get my feed right or something, he says, right? Yeah. I've got to keep swiping until I've gotten the right feed where I'm happy with it. I've got so much randomness on there now that. I get sick of it. <laughs> and it, and to bring that up a little bit, as far as uh, social media content, uh, it's crazy how um, edited or censored a lot of it is. I put a video up on TikTok the other day. I, I honestly don't know what I did wrong. I have no idea what I put on there that would trigger a red flag uh but it got kicked off in like the first 10 seconds that it was on there the only thing i can think of is i had a little two second clip of us pulling a walleye out of the lake and it wasn't even anything crazy and it got booted you know and i see this crazy stuff on there with girls shaking their booties and some nudity and all that kind of stuff and it's like wait a minute like what did i what's going on here i don't understand that sort of thing when it comes to tiktok yeah, that's crazy. You got to walk a fine line, especially the hunting community. I don't even know how how we're supposed to do what we do on there. You know, right? They don't want guns on there. They don't want dead animals on there. You and it's a is it a Chinese platform? It's a, yeah, it's a Chinese platform. Which you walk down the street in China, how many dead animals are hanging <laughs> right. in these meat markets? You know, that's why I love the social media. Uh, app go wild i don't know if you've ever heard of go wild or not but it's a uh uncensored basically a hunting platform it's for the hunter it's for the fisher it's for the trapper uh you put your stuff on there it's uncensored everybody's commenting on it there's so many different threads that you can get into if you just want to look at deer hunting stuff 
You can okay. look at just deer hunting stuff or turkey hunting stuff or whatever that case might be. Uh, they've been great friends of mine ever since I started this show and stuff, and we've partnered on a few things and that sort of thing. But uh, Go Wild, I feel like, is the future um, for the outdoorsman when it comes to social media. Sounds like a nice place. You to have be. to check it out. Get uh, get um, common ground on there. Nice. Uh, you'll see um, um, influx influence and in stuff that like putting a your uh, uh, say you do a turkey hunting video coming up. You put it on there. People are gonna like it. You could even hit like the nearby button during deer season. Say, "Wow, the bucks are running," or you know, you're gonna see what everybody around you is kind of doing and that sort of thing. But it's definitely, I feel like, the future for social media when it comes to the outdoorsman. I'll have to check that out. I think I've got him on. I think I see his stuff on LinkedIn. We yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, Brad Latrell. Yes. Yep. Yeah, he's a he's an awesome dude, man. Awesome dude. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. For sure. So tell us about your uh, 2022 uh, whitetail season. What what happened for you? It was an awesome season. It was a grueling season. Since I moved out here, I was not able to draw my tag until November 17th. Wow. When I became a resident, I had to wait. 90 days after I got my driver's license or after I got my, my state residence residency or something like that. Mm-hmm. So I was already late into the rut, you know, before I started to run around the woods and, but I tried not to be a prick. I would scout on the weekends. I would check my cameras on the weekends, but if there was a guy parked in the parking lot where I was going to, I left it and I went somewhere else. But I think that helped me because I learned a lot during the season. I was able to scout during the season rather than sitting in a tree. Um, I had a lot of nice bucks on camera. Really one area in particular, I wasn't getting any people. And I had five, six, seven shooter bucks over 140 probably. Nice. Um, yeah, it was crazy. So I, I hunted this hill a couple times. Actually, the first the first morning I went in, and hunted i checked my camera after i sat i think i sat till about noon maybe and i had a camera right there by my stand site i checked that and i had probably 150 inch buck with he had stickers all over the place he was right at the scraper and under my tree half hour before i got there and i didn't i didn't see anything during my sit um so eventually i ended up i hunted a few other public chunks and some of the ones closer to my house that are like 20 minutes from my house. And I'd run into guys there and I checked a few of my cameras over there and just didn't have the quality of bucks that I was looking for, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I went back to that one, one hill. It's about, it's a mile and a half walk. It's not, not a straight walk back, but it's a mile and a half that I have to walk to get back from my truck onto this hill. And, um, I bounced around, hunted a few different spots on this hill, and I found that they were coming from a standing cornfield off private, walking. So there's, it's almost like a ramp that comes right off this hill and drops right down into that standing corn. It's a crazy runway coming right from that standing corn up the hill, but which is public, and they were all bedding in this green briar on top of this hill. So I would, I'd have to wake up at, 245 three o'clock in the morning drive an hour there hike an hour and a half in or hike a mile and a half in and i was still barely getting set up by daylight that's crazy yeah but i did this probably the last three weekends saturday sunday they had to be all day sits because these deer were they'd get in on me at 10 30 11 o'clock in the morning and i'd have deer bedded around me all day long and this was into december i'm scrolling through social media and reading everybody's telling everybody they're done the rut's over deer aren't moving if you're not on food you're not killing the deer and i'm seeing seeing these deer all day long in my in the spot that i'm sitting at and i knew i had a couple nice bucks in there and one morning it was probably 11 30 oh midday i guess 11 30 i had a hundred and 30 inch. I think he was only a three-year-old 10 point coming up on my left side. And I grabbed my bow, grabbed the camera, started filming him. And I was debating on whether I was going to shoot him or not. 
I only had a few more days. I think I had two days left until the shotgun season started. So I was hemming and hawing, deciding whether I was going to shoot him. And I'm fine with eating a tag. You know, if I don't, if there's a buck there, that's not what I'm looking for. I'll eat a tag, you know, I'll, I'll shoot him next year when he's older. For sure. So, um, I'm watching him debating on whether I'm going to put an arrow in him or not. And I hear a stick snap. I turn and look to my right, 35 yards. I've got a 160 inch buck walking right up the hill and I'm froze facing the opposite direction, worried about this other three and a half year old. So I swung the camera over, filmed him walking up the hill. I threw everything I had at him. I was grunting at him, snort wheezed, you know, he never, never skipped a beat, never slowed down at all. Went up on the top of the hill, but it told me he was there. And that's all I needed to know. I, I, I focused on that hill every day for, well, I'm only hunting only the weekend. So Saturday, Sunday mm-hmm. for the next couple of weeks. And I got my, my shotgun tag, went back in there and I kind of, re- I, I looked at my maps and I saw where that standing cornfield was. And then I kind of thought where all these bucks were coming up on this hill and they're not coming up this main runway that comes straight from the cornfield. They were all walking the whole lower edge of the hill scent check. The, the wind was coming down the hill. They're scent checking the whole bottom of the hill all the way to the next property line where there was a fence. And then they walk up the hill. And that's kind of what I thought they were doing. Maybe they are, maybe they aren't. Maybe I'm getting in my own head. I don't know. The next time I went in there, I stayed as far as I could to that west side and hugged the private property going up that fence line. Stayed right on the edge, snuck it in, came up the back side. And at 1030 that morning, again, I saw another buck that I was right borderline going to shoot. Had him right underneath me. I'm filming him. 20 minutes later, the buck that I shot, he was 155 inch, five and a half year old buck. Nice. He popped out with a couple of those at 60 yards. And I had a 350 legend is what I was hunting with. I put one in him there and then he circled around, slowed down in front of me at 40 yards. I got, gave him another one. He fell over 20 yards later. That was my season right there. <laughs> That's awesome though. Yeah. And <laughs> honestly, I knew he was decent, but I did not know he was as big as he was. That's for sure. I was surprised when I got when I got up to him. He was a nice buck, and that's so the buck in the picture that I sent you there. That's awesome. Yeah, this would be his uh, YouTube thumbnail picture for everybody listening or watching on the YouTube. Uh, what do you think going forward into twenty three? What's even though you didn't get as much time as you wanted to in there? What's something that you learned going forward that's going to help you out in twenty three? Hmm. Um. think here probably probably holding off on hunting mornings until until closer to the rut so like october 25th i do like hunting opening morning so if i can get out opening morning i'll probably throw a morning sit there yeah other than that uh, especially with it being a long drive the way it is it's, right if i'm going in for a morning sit i i've got to get the afternoon right so Right. Yeah, I'd probably hold off and not hunt mornings until till the rut. That's awesome. So what uh what do you have in store for the uh twenty twenty three season? You only hunting Iowa? Uh or, or what what do you got in plan? Oh man. If it was up to me, <laughs> I'd be all over the place. My new job I don't get the time off that I had before, so I would love to be back in Colorado elk hunting. Um I will be out there filming. And I might be able to get a week off in between hunts out there. So if I can do that, I'd like to jump into the mountains, chase them out for a little while. Uh, but other than that, unfortunately, I can't say unfortunately, I'll probably <laughs> just be in Iowa, I think, for whitetails. That's awesome, man. I, I've kind of asked, uh, it's kind of been a, a newer question that I've been asking a lot of guests here lately, but uh, what's your dream hunt? If you could pick anything or any creature to chase, chase around, what are you chasing? I think I'm doing it. Whitetails and elk. That's, I don't really think about much more than that. I don't really have a desire to go to Africa or chase anything out there. Maybe the sheep, 
a doll sheep would probably be the one other one that I might really be interested in. But I don't know if I have the pockets for that. My pockets might be <laughs> for, <enough> for that. <laughs> I don't know why, but uh, moose moose and bear are really high on my list. I want to get really? those two done. Okay. I, I think I would enjoy taking pictures of them more than more than shooting them. I don't know why, but I just think they're they're both awesome animals. For sure. But, yeah. yeah. I don't know, just something about elk, screaming elk, those bugles just. I can only hit, imagine. I love it. Yeah. Uh, so I know you guys are big on the uh, on the YouTube and stuff as far as chasing the uh, chasing these turkeys around. Uh, were you guys doing that this spring? I'll probably be in Iowa. That's that's the one bad thing about the whole group that we had. I'm in Iowa now. The rest of the group they're they're still in New York. So I've got guys out there that I'm hoping will come out. I know one buddy. He's planning on coming out and he's going to hunt with me in April. I'd like to meet halfway, get to Ohio, maybe hunt a weekend with those guys, even if I don't buy a tag and, and just film or something. But one of one of our real good buddies, he's in Pennsylvania. So Ohio's a good meeting spot for us too. How so, is uh how is uh Longbeards out there in Iowa pretty prevalent? Seems like there's a lot more, but I don't know if it's just getting to me, the fact that they're all flocked up, it seems like there's a ton of them out here. But I guess in a couple of weeks when they start splitting up, I'll see. But I really do think there's more here than what I'm used to hunting in New York anyway. That's awesome. It, it sucks because where I'm at here in Indiana, there's literally nothing. I mean, I, I have really? a flock here and there. It's not even something that I can hunt. Oh. Uh, it's super spread out, and I have to travel for turkey hunting. I'm going to uh, West Virginia, Kentucky, Tennessee, and Michigan this year. Oh, wow. But uh, when it, as far as it comes to turkey, man, I'll travel because I love chasing them long beards. Oh yeah, it's fun, especially it's... with the bow. <laughs> yeah, I've shot one. I don't think I've shot one in the spring with my bow. I've missed a couple in the spring with my bow, that's for sure. But I shot one out of my stand when I was sixteen or seventeen. Other than that, I haven't really. But now that I'm in, that I'm in Iowa to hunt the full season, I have to have a bow tag. So. Oh, there you That's go. what I'm going to do. Otherwise, I have to pick the first, second, or third season with a shotgun. I'd rather hunt all season with my bow. So, yeah, absolutely. Hopefully, I can get it done this season. For sure, I hope you do, buddy. Um, well, man, it's been a it's been a pleasure having you on, talking with you, man. It's been it's been really cool. Uh, Iowa is definitely an interest of mine, and hearing some of the the ins and outs of all that's been pretty cool, man. I appreciate you coming on tonight. Yeah, I appreciate you having me. Absolutely. Tell everybody where they can find you and Hunting Common Ground uh, on social media. All right. We're on YouTube, Instagram, TikTok. It's all hunting underscore common underscore ground on Instagram. I believe it's the same on TikTok and then YouTube or uh, yeah, YouTube, just Hunting Common Ground should pop right up. Absolutely. Everybody go check them guys out. They got some really cool videos. I watched a couple of them today uh, prior to this podcast, but go, everybody go check them out. And if uh, if you're in podcast land, give us a rate and review. Check us out, uh, follow, and all that kind of stuff. And then YouTube, give us a like and subscribe and uh, share with your buddies. But uh, y'all have a good rest of your week, and uh, we'll see you again here next week.